when you walk with Jesus for a while, you get so used to being good and doing good that when you see someone like Onesimus who's on the run, you forget that you used to be that person. The time from when you were like that, living that out craziness to right now, it's a big difference now. What happens is you look down at Onesimus, you're like, oh, look at that guy, man, runaway slave. Man, that person needs Jesus, but I don't want to have to talk to him. And you get all this stuff that goes on. And you know what it is? It's being a Pharisee. When babies first learn how to walk, they fall a lot. But the people around them don't berate them for falling. They help them try again. Today, Pastor Daniel shares it's easy to forget how lost you were when Jesus first rescued you. Losing track of where you've come from can set you up to judge and mistreat those who are still far from God or struggling in some way. Instead, God wants you to remember the grace you received so that you can give it to others. Now, here's Pastor Daniel with his message called The Transformation in the Book of Philemon. God's ways sometimes are crazy. Why? Because Paul is not sending this slave back for him to get his just punishment. There's something new going on. There's this transformation that's happened. Look what he says, verse 12. You therefore receive him, that is, my own heart, whom I wished to keep with me, that on your behalf he might minister to me in my chains for the gospel. But without your consent, I want to do nothing, that your good deed might not be by compulsion, as it were, but voluntary. See, Paul's like, look, I'm sending him back to you, but I want you to receive him as my own heart, because I really wanted to keep him here. Now listen, retaining a slave couldn't be done in the Roman world without the owner's consent. He's like, look, I love this guy. This is my son in the faith, and I want to keep him here so he can minister to me for you. But he says, but I'm going to send him back to you. Why? He says, because I want you to do this voluntarily. And it's amazing. He's setting the table for Philemon to act in extraordinary faith and obedience, to act against the culture that would have said, you're a runaway slave. When he comes back, you can beat him senseless because that's what happened in that culture. They were completely at the mercy of their master. And he's saying, but I want you to receive him, not because I tell you to, but because I want you to want to. And my friends, you got to love Paul's pastoral heart here because he's saying, look, I can't make you do it. Although he said, I can kind of make you do it because of who I am and my authority. He's like, but I actually want you to want to do this. And you got to love that because the apostle Paul realized he can bring the hammer down, the apostolic authority down. But he actually wants the transformation that Jesus did to be something that Philemon owns on his own. It's amazing to me how crazy God's ways can be sometimes. And I just want to encourage you in the craziness of your own life, when things get really crazy, I want you just to remember two words, but God. Because what I have found is in the craziest places in my life, God has been doing something. And if I'm not careful, I'm going to miss what God is up to in the craziness times. See, 
you can imagine Onesimus being like, Paul, what are you doing? Like, I thought you loved me. I thought you were my son. You're going to send me back. Philemon is mad. I mean, when Philemon sees me, I don't know how he's going to react. And Paul's like, no, no, listen, it's going to be fine. It's not going to be fine. Do you ever have those situations where you're, something, you're freaking out and someone's like, it's going to be fine. It is not fine, right? I'm the only one who's ever had that feeling. No, all of you, right? I love it. No, I don't love it. I want to kill somebody when they say that to me. Like, I'm all, like, worked up, and they're just like, it's fine. It's not fine. Why would I be acting like this if it's fine? You know? And you can, like, you can imagine this whole situation is craziness. But in verse 15, look at what happens. It's so beautiful. For perhaps he departed for a while for this purpose, that you might receive him forever, no longer as a slave, but more than a slave, a beloved brother, especially to me, but how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. See, God's ways are crazy, but this guy's been transformed into family. Paul's saying, Philemon, maybe this guy ran away so that he would get saved. Maybe this guy ran away, not doing what he was supposed to do, that you might be able to receive him forever, not as a slave, not in this temporary office that he holds because he is in servitude because of whatever the issues of his life is, but a beloved brother. And my friends, this is the power of the good news of Jesus, the gospel. This is why we believe, because this guy who was unprofitable, who's done everything wrong in his life, and is on the lamb, he's running, now all of a sudden, he becomes a family member of God. And you know what's amazing? The same's true for you. The same's true for Philemon. See, Philemon was not always in the family of God. Along life's way, the gospel reached this man and he got transformed. He was a runaway slave, like all of us in our rebellion, and now he's been transformed to be a child of God. And it's the same for Philemon, it's the same for Onesimus, it's the same for me, and it's the same for you. Listen, none of us, none of us were ever not Onesimus in our lives. All of us were runaways from God. That's the rebellion of the human condition, that all of us were on the run. We took our lives, we say, my life is my own, I'm going to run. Even those of you who grew up in Christian homes, you know what it's like to be a little bit on the run. Yeah, you've always known about Jesus, but you are on the run from him, trying to live your own life your own way, trying to get at the things that you want. But along the way, the gospel reached you. And the gospel transformed you. Think of 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called what? Children of God. See, what is beautiful is that Onesimus... And Philemon is just like you and me, that we are runaway slaves. We've been received back home by Jesus, and then he sends us back out. That is Christianity, my friends, that you and I were lost. God found us, and then God sends us back into the places that we were lost as his hands and feet. Because he's transformed us into family. And this is why the gospel changes everything. This is why Jesus is so important. And we talked about this in our last message. 
about how in a twinkle of an eye, by the finished work of Jesus, he can take your mortal enemy and make that person your family member. He could take the person that racially, because of the way you were raised, you are against and make that person a family member. That is the good news. He could take the person that is the least farthest person from your mind that you'd ever want to associate with and make them your family member. I mean, just be honest. You wouldn't have chosen me to be your brother, right? I love the stories when I first got to Crossroads. Oh, when the first time I came out and some of the folks who've been here the whole time, they're like, when you walked out on stage, I thought Pastor Bill Ritchie Dunn lost his mind. (laughs) She's so sweet. She's like, man, when you came out, I thought to myself, what is wrong with Pastor Bill? Right? Over time, you know what I mean? She's like, but now I've grown to love your fuzzy head, you know? And it's so sweet. Or I remember when I went to teach in Nashville, Tennessee, and my buddy, Pat Hood, pastors this great church called Life Point. When he was introduced to me, he's like, now listen, everybody. He's got a nice southern drawing. Listen, everyone, don't be scared of Pastor Fusco, you know? Sure, he looks like the homeless guy downtown, but he gonna preach the word to you today, you know? And I went on out there, and being long hair with dreadlocks in the South from outside of New York of all places. It was like, I was like, I was behind the eight ball. And I remember after the service, this older guy came, he must've been 80 years old and he had a real thick soda. She's like, man, you are the funny lookingest, best preachingest Yankee pastor I ever heard. <laughs> I just gave him a high five. I'm like, yeah, you know. But that's what happens. We have this going on even here right now where you have law enforcement officials, right, with guys who spent decades in jail and they're brothers in Christ. Like, there's people in this congregation who have locked up other people in this congregation back in the day, right? Back in the day. And now they're here, they're family. And now it's funny. I heard a story. They went out to a thing together and people were like, hey, do you know so-and-so's here? And he's like, yeah, I brought him, this police officer. I brought him. You brought, why'd you bring him here? No, no, it's like he's chanting, God's done something in his life. And that's the good news, my friends. But you know what the thing is? And I want to talk to those of you here who are believers, you've been following Jesus for a while. Don't ever forget that you are Onesimus. Because know what happens when you walk with Jesus for a while? You get so used to being good and doing good that when you see someone like Onesimus who's on the run, you forget that you used to be that person. The time from when you were like that, living that out craziness, to right now, it's a big difference now. What happens is you look down on Onesimus, you're like, oh, look at that guy, man, runaway slave. Man, that person needs Jesus, but I don't want to have to talk to him. And you get all this stuff that goes on, and you know what it is? It's being a Pharisee. See, the Pharisees forgot that they were in need of the grace of God, that they needed God's mercy. They thought because they did enough good religious stuff that God was going to be happy with them and that God owed them. And what happens is, is the reason many churches are not effective in reaching people is because the people forget that they are Onesimus. See, Paul's reminding Philemon that he was Onesimus too. He's saying, look, no, no, no. He's like, this guy was your slave, but now he's your family member. And that's what I love about Jesus. And that's why for you and I, we should always look at every person, not by who they are, but who Jesus created them to be. And see ourselves not as, it's my job to be the judge and jury for this person. It's my job to be another fork in the road for this person on the journey that God has them on to see them come to know Christ. And once they come to know Christ, you know what I love about new baby Christians? Is they don't have it all together in their mind. And so like, I remember when I was a new baby Christian, 
I remember I started following Jesus and I went to church. And I told you guys this story before. I did a lot of drugs growing up. You're like, makes sense, you know? <laughs> and I remember going to church and I had been like, I had been smoking weed habitually since I was like 14, you know what I mean? And so I remember I went to church and God was working in my life and I'm talking to my pastor, you know, and after they figured out that I was okay to be at church, which they're still not sure, you know what I mean? But I remember I said to him, I pulled out this joint and I said, man, I'm like, you see this? He's like, yeah, I see that, you know? You know, and I'm like, I've been smoking this stuff every day, many times since I was 14, but God's doing something and I don't want to, but I still do this thing. And I remember that pastor, I mean, like, I figured he'd just throw me out of church, you know? But he's like, no, no. He's like, Daniel, let me just pray that God change your heart. He didn't bring the hammer down on me like I know better. I didn't know better. But the Spirit of God was working. And instead of slapping me down and making sure I realized that I didn't belong in church and that I'm a blemish on their love feast, the guy just loved me and encouraged me so that I could take the next step. And I'll often imagine, like, in those moments of my life, what would happen if the pastor just gave me a smackdown? Like, would I be here today? Probably not. Would I have ever taken the step into ministry? It's like getting mad at my kids for being childlike. You know what I mean? They're kids. That's what they do. They're not all grown up yet, all proper. Like they're, you know, and we don't really want them to be all grown up and proper. We want to be grown up, but childlike still, you know? But what happens is, is if we're not careful, we miss the point. And so, Make sure you see yourself as the fork in the road on someone's journey with Jesus and you help them take the next steps. And it's not like that pastor didn't say, well, just keep smoking your weed, dude. He didn't say that. He realized that he could have blown me out of the water right then and there over being a young, immature person. And God had another plan. God had another plan. So, This is beautiful because this guy, Onesimus, has been transformed into family now. Now, look at what it says in verse 17. It says, if then you count me as a partner, receive him as you would me. But if he has wronged you or owes you anything, put that on my account. I, Paul, am writing with my own hand. I will repay, not to mention to you that you owe me even your own self besides. Yes, brother, Let me have joy from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in the Lord. Brothers, sisters, we need to advocate like Jesus does. See, Paul now is advocating for Onesimus in the exact way that Jesus advocates for us. He's like, look, if you count me as a partner, receive him as you would me. So he's like, look, if we are one, That word partner comes from the same root as the word koinonia or fellowship. He's like, if we are in this thing together, I want you to receive Onesimus as you received me. But notice, if he has wronged you or owes you anything, whatever his debt is, put that on my account. See, Paul is doing for Onesimus what Jesus has done for him and what Jesus has done for you. See, Jesus says to his father, so to speak, If you count me to be one with you, Father, I want you to receive that girl, that guy, the way you receive me. And if he has wronged you, and if he owes you anything, put that on my account. Isn't that the gospel? See, you and I are accepted in Christ because of Jesus, not because of us. And before the Father, 
The father doesn't say, okay, Daniel, I want to see a reckoning of your account. I'll be like, yeah, the reckoning of my account is Jesus. Because Jesus, Father, I've wronged you in a million ways, infinite numbers of ways. But Jesus took my debt on his account. And so, Father, the only reckoning I have for you is Jesus. And that's the good news. That is the good news. Paul is doing for Onesimus what Jesus has done for him. Listen to 1 John 2, verses 1 and 2. My little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he himself is the propitiation for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for the whole world. Now listen, if you're here today and you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus, this is why you need to believe in Jesus. Because each one of us, if we were to use accounting terms, each one of us is racking up all sorts of debt to God because of the way that we live. We've gotten things wrong. We've done the wrong thing. We owe infinite numbers of apologies in infinite numbers of ways. And that's just to God, not let alone everybody else we know. Right? And the reality is, is that the debt that all of us have built up, it's like even bigger if you can even fathom it than the U.S. national debt. I looked that thing up. That thing, I mean, our national debt is growing so fast, you can go online, put a U.S. national debt chart. It, like every second, it's growing by thousands of dollars. You're like, I wish my bank account was growing by thousands of dollars every second. Like the debt that you owe to the Lord for your failures is so much greater than that. And Jesus said, your debt is too great and I am going to pay your debt. And I think some of you, you're trying to pay your own debt. Going to church, that's why I'm here. Listen, going to church isn't going to get you saved. Going to church isn't going to pay back the debt. You're like, well, no, but I'm here and I'm, I'm clean now and I'm trying to do this and that. Listen, that is not going to get you to the promised land. That is why you have to believe in Jesus. And then once you believe in Jesus, then we should be living like Jesus lived, inspired by the Spirit, that we start to advocate for others the way that Jesus has advocated for us. And again, for a lot of us as followers of Jesus, we aren't doing such a hot job of this. We're accepting God's forgiveness, but we're not passing it out into the world. This is why we do all these different projects that we're doing. Like, this is why we're doing Browning Montana. Because we've been given so much. Pastor Greg was telling me that in the Blackfeet Nation, he's like, it was as third world as any country I've ever been in. Right? It's like where the whole thing, the whole system is broken. We see we got our nice, comfortable seats. We got the air conditioning. We got the heated baptism. I mean, no one's even going to get the chills going to get a baptism. You know what I mean? But because God has done this for us with all of our pain and all of our brokenness, we say we're going to go do that for other people now. And not only in Browning, Montana, or in Lebanon, or in the Middle East, but also right here in Clark County, Washington, where we're going to advocate for all the different people. Our prayer team now is getting involved in trying to pray because in Battleground alone, we lost like 20 kids to suicide in the last four years. It's like, where's the advocates for the kids? Who's getting in the lives of teenagers? We have the justice for the unborn. Who's trying to help people not make a decision that's going to ruin somebody else's life, let alone their own? How do we get involved in this? And how do we get involved with shut-ins? And how do we help single moms? And how do we help in every single area? How do we help refugees? And we do this because we're just responding to what God has done for us and saying, man, the only way to live is to pay forward by the power of the Holy Spirit what God has done for us. Amen. 
My friends, this is what Crossroads is all about. It's not just about we're going to come together, we're going to worship with a great band, and we're going to hear some guy teach. It's about us engaging in the work of the kingdom. It has to be more than just we receive grace. We receive grace and then we live in such a way that the reality of grace, it's shouted so loud everywhere because we can't not. And I love this because Paul's, he's been transformed by Jesus and now he's standing in the gap for Onesimus. This guy who has no rights in the culture, this guy who's completely outside of any area of blessing, now Onesimus has got Paul in his corner. And brothers and sisters, let you and I be like the Apostle Paul as he imitates Jesus, amen? Advocate for those who are on the margins, who are vulnerable. Stand in the gap when you can and pay the debts. Help people take those next steps. I'm gonna close on out the book of Pilemon here. But look at what he says in verse 20. Yes, brother, let me have joy from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in the Lord. Having confidence in your obedience, I write to you knowing that you will do even more than I say. But meanwhile, also prepare a guest room for me, for I trust that through your prayers, I shall be granted to you. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, greets you, as do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, Luke, my fellow laborers, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. You know what I love about the way Paul closes his letters? Because Paul, like you and I, we need to let hope reign. This closing of this letter is so hopeful. It's powerfully hopeful. Look at what he says. He says in verse 21, having confidence of your obedience, I write to you knowing that you will do even more than I say. Now, isn't that a hopeful statement? He's saying, look, I'm just asking you to receive the guy as a brother. And Paul's like, I actually have confidence that you're going to do exceedingly abundantly above what I asked you to do. Is that a hopeful statement? That'd be like me saying to Annabelle, Annabelle, you're going to listen to your mom? Yeah, and I'm going to serve her too. All the parents are like, amen, Fusco, you know. But Paul also realizes that by the power of the Holy Spirit, Philemon can step into the abundance of God, not just doing enough to get in, but living out the extravagance of God's kingdom. Not only is there hope there, look what Paul says next. Verse 22. But meanwhile, also prepare a guest room for me, for I trust that through your prayers I shall be granted to you. You see what? Paul is so hopeful in Philemon and in his prayers and in the Lord that he actually believes he's going to be let out of jail so he can go to Philemon's house and spend some quality time. How cool is that? I mean, Paul's like, I trust that I'm going to be able to hang out with you again. This is so hopeful. And brothers, sisters, listen. In a world full of fear and anger and division, hope needs to shout loud. And this reminds me of 1 Corinthians 13, 13, the end of a classic chapter. And now abide faith, hope, and love. These three but the greatest of these is love. Abide faith, hope, and love. Hope, think about what hope is. Hope is you making decisions in the present because you know how the future is going to work out. Jesus is real. Watching the news can bring you down fast. Well, in today's message, Pastor Daniel urged you to let hope well up. But this isn't a hope that things in the world will get better or your life will be what you want it to be. 
This hope is rooted in the person of Jesus and what he's doing. When you live with these realities in mind, you can move forward every day with the expectation that he's at work and you're never alone. Pastor Daniel's message today is just one of many he shared from a variety of books in the Bible. Would you like to explore more? Just visit JesusIsRealRadio.com to access our library of audio. You can also connect with Pastor Daniel on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram through the links you'll find at the bottom of the page. That website again is JesusIsRealRadio.com. Come back next time when Pastor Daniel invites you to join him in looking at the book of Obadiah. In this short book, you'll discover big truths about pride and judgment. You'll learn that your pride always results in judgment. You see, pride is when your ego bubbles up to become the most important thing and takes the place of God in your heart. Pastor Daniel will ask you to consider how pride is impacting your life right now. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. On behalf of Pastor Daniel and the entire production team, we invite you to join us again for the next edition of Jesus is Real Radio.